Welcome to the Hope CC Resources Podcast, where we revisit sermons, talks, and discussions from the archives of Hope Community Church in Minnesota. If you would like to find more resources from Hope Community Church, please visit hopeccresources.com or download the Hope CC app. Today's resource is a session from the 2016 LDI Off-Road Retreat. In it, Pastor Brian Silver explains what the temple is within the context of the Old Testament and the rest of Scripture. If you'd like to learn more about the temple, you can either visit hopeccresources.com topics and select temple from the list or download the HopeCC app. I'm a walker, so I, didn't, uh, I don't have that stuff. It's just going to drive me crazy. Um, I'm fighting a cold, so sorry. Um, and uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're talking about temples. Woo! Right? It's uh, 8.45 in the morning, and we're going to talk about Old Testament temples. All right? Uh, so it's going to be a good, good time, right? That's right, I will. Um, so I just have a couple pictures, not really anything to write down. I've got a couple points, uh, but it's very simple. We're going to be looking at temples in the past for the majority of our time, um, what it was like for the Israelites and also other nations surrounding them, and then we're going to look at what it means for us today, what is a temple, uh, maybe uh, defeat some, maybe you have uh, some preconceived notions of what you think the temple might be today. And then what is the temple in the future? So that's the path we're going on, and we're going to fly through this. We're covering thousands of years in, you know, approximately 18 minutes. So um, I wanted to start this off by talking about um, where temples come from. Um, And so this was a movie uh, that came out when I was a little kid, uh, Alien. I don't know if you can read it. It's pretty small. But I never watched this when I was a kid because it terrified me. Um, And then when I was in college... I think I tried to watch it, and it just wasn't, wasn't good. I think I made it 10 minutes through the, through the beginning of it, so I apologize if there's some like alien Trekkies out there. That's a thing. That's a, um, so anyways, I didn't really watch this one, but the one alien movie I loved was The Predator. Right? This was an awesome, awesome alien movie. These predators came in. They came to Earth just to hunt people. <laughs> just awesome and uh but they they picked a fight with the wrong guy and actually in this movie there were two future state governors how crazy is that schwarzenegger and jesse ventura were both in this movie that's nuts um so you know it's a good flick um so anyways but however i don't know how old i was junior high or high school they came out with this thing that was alien versus predator and i love the tagline whoever wins we lose, right? Uh, because the aliens are just going to take over the world and kill everyone. Okay, what's the point? Why am I talking about aliens? Uh, well, because in this movie, Alien vs. Predator, they actually show human beings how to make temples, how to worship them as gods. And they then spread that technology all throughout the world, and that's why we have temples or pyramid-like structures all over the place. So we get to the uh, Egyptian pyramids. Now, what is the point of a temple? What is the point of something like this structure? Um, it's it's kind of obvious, but it's it, it goes both ways where it made it easy for the gods to come down to man or for man to try to ascend into the heavens. Either way, it was this medium space where both could uh, interact with each other. The pyramids, they obviously viewed the pharaohs as gods, uh, and so this was a way for them to transition into the afterlife. Uh, this is one, I've actually been to this one, it's in Riviera Maya. Uh, this is where the, the uh, Aztecs, that's how they worship the sun. Uh, it's pretty cool um, when you go there, uh, but also sad. <laughs> but um, 
This is how they worship their gods. They would, they would climb these things, and that's how they would worship. They would get into that space. Uh, they're all over the place. There's that one on the left is Mexico. The one on the top right is in Rome. Actually, you walked by that one, too. The ones in the bottom, they're in Persia. Those ones were built uh, hundreds of years before the ones in Egypt were ever built. And then we have uh, this one. This is a ziggurat. And this one, they would actually build a palace of the gods. This is in Mesopotamia. Up on top of that so that people could go up there and worship the gods. The gods would come down and they would just throw parties up there for the gods. Um, so then, where do, why do we see these temple-like structures, these huge pyramid-like structures all over the world, right? Aliens! Uh, just kidding, not aliens. Um, I don't think it was aliens, but I do think it was possibly to do with this. This is just a theory, but um, the, the Tower of Babel. Um, this is an artist's rendition. We don't have any actual pictures of this, but um, the Tower of Babel where Patrick mentioned this, where there was all the nations, and then all of a sudden God focuses on the one. And the reason why they built this, because they said, we, we got this. We can be like God. We can ascend into the heavens, and we can build this temple-like structure. And so that's what they did. But then all of a sudden God picks that one individual, Abram, and, uh, and, and then explains, and so we're going to fast forward a thousand plus years. And so this is the tabernacle. This is when they were in the wilderness, wandering around. They had this thing they call the tabernacle. Tabernacle literally means that God is going to dwell with his people. God is dwelling with them. So you can say that God tabernacled with them. Um, and that's what this was. It was a movable, portable structure, mostly made of cloth and wood so they could haul it around. It was in the center of the camp. That's actually really important. We're going to come back to that later. Um, so this is kind of a zoom. Again, this is artist rendition. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's pretty accurate because the scripture gives very, very detailed uh, descriptions of how this should be built and why it should be built. You can kind of see this. Sorry, it's kind of bright in here, but you can see the outer court. Not, it's not the outer court, but the first chamber in there was called the most holy place. And then on the inside of it was called the holy of holies. That's what we talked. You've probably heard of that before. In there, there was only one thing, and it was the Ark of the Covenant. And that was a pretty important thing in Israel's uh, history. Um, and on that Ark of the Covenant, the lid of it had these two cherubim, and it was called the mercy seat. And only one time a year would the high priest go into that chamber. Just once a year. They'd haul that thing around for 40 years, and only 40 times did a guy ever go into that space. It's pretty remarkable. And he did it on the Day of Atonement. He'd sprinkle blood in the mercy seat to atone for the sins of Israel. Hovering over the mercy seat was the glory of God. It was a manifestation of the glory of God, and it was called Shekinah. Okay, I love that word. It's, all, it's almost as good as principity. Is that, was that the right word? Percipity. Peripity. Oh, peripity. That's even better. Um, but she, Shekinah, it was just, it's just this cool word that means the manifestation of God's glory. Um, now, the question that maybe you're asking, hopefully you're asking, is why would God have to manifest his glory there? Isn't God omnipresent? Isn't he everywhere? Why, why would he do that? Man, you guys are good. That's a great question. So let's go all the way, all the way back to the beginning, all the way back in the garden. How did God tabernacle with his people in the garden? Well, he walked with them. He talked with them in the cool of the day that he was able to see Adam and Eve face to face. They could do that. Enter the fall, no longer can human beings look at God and live. And so God has to hide himself in the most holy, holy of holies so that human beings cannot see that glory. That's why I go back to Mount Sinai, uh, when, when Moses is up there getting his 15 command, or the 10 commandments, and he's up there and he says, God, I want to see you. And God's like, 
um, all right, I'll be right back. And he hides him in a rock, in the cleft of a rock, and he passes by. A lot of times we think like Moses saw God's back as he was walking away. When you really get into the language there, what Moses saw was where God once was. <laughs> he sees the afterburners of where God was, and that was enough to make his face shine so much they had to put a veil in front of his face because he just glowed. Like that's, that's crazy. If just the afterburner of God can do that, there's no way we can see the glory of God because of the fall and because of sin. And so that veil protected, that heavy veil that was in that, that tabernacle uh, saved a lot of lives, actually. Um, so let's fast forward. So we've got to jump around a lot here. But uh, they finally make it to the promised land, and the kings take over. We have King David. Uh, ben mentioned this. King David's like, I want to build the temple. God says, no, you've killed like way too many people. Let's let your son do it. So Solomon builds the pride. Solomon builds the pride and okay, big fingers. Oh brother, Solomon builds the pride and glory of the. Uh, nope, nope, nope. That's not it. Well, all right. I guess we're not going to do that. Okay, we're going to turn that off. Just use your imagination with me, okay? Um, so what happens is Solomon builds this temple, and it's huge. All right, the thing is really big. It's got gold everywhere. Um, the interior of it is just gold like crazy. Um, I'll try to give you a mental picture, uh, but the thing was really big. And basically, if you can imagine like a, a guy coming to Solomon and saying, hey, I made this awesome bowl. And he's like, man, that's beautiful. You know what we should do? We should paint it gold. And he's like, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Some master craftsman comes to candlestick and he's like, look what I made. And he's like, that's great. Let's cover it in gold, right? I mean, the whole thing was just gold everywhere. Well, why would they do that? Because it was, in a sense, heaven on earth. God, God then came and gave very, very detailed parameters of how are you going to worship me? This is how you're going to do it. Um, and so that's Solomon's temple. It's beautiful. However, Solomon didn't just stop with building that one temple, unfortunately, the way that God told him to. He actually built a temple um, kind of like at his summer palace. Um, that was a big no-no. Uh, they built them, as Ben mentioned, in Dan and Bethel. They also built one in Samaria and one down in Egypt. Um, and so basically what happened was they, they split. They started worshiping other gods because they started worshiping the temple and these holy places rather than the god of the temple and rather than the god of the holy place and caused major idolatry. Okay? So we're going to fast forward again to 587 B.C. All right? That will be on the test, 587 B.C. All right? And this is when the Babylonians come in under King Hezekiah, and King Hezekiah destroys that temple, um, and, and so then they enter into exile, which you're going to hear more about after this. So he destroys Solomon's temple. Fast forward with me 550 years. Sorry, I'm covering a lot of ground, but we're just talking about the temple. Um, so and, uh, come up to 20 B.C., and we get Herod, King Herod, um, that we know of, like from Jesus' time, um, who builds this even bigger structure. It's massive um, how big this structure is. Um, you can't see the little ants that are supposed to be people in this picture, but it's huge um, how big it was. Now, Herod built it not just so to be like nice to the Jews. Um, well, that was a thing, but he also etched his name, like carved his name in every single stone that was used to build that temple just to say, hey, I'm actually still in charge here, not your God. Um, and so that would have been the temple that Jesus would have worshipped in. That would have been the temple that Jesus overthrew the money changers' tables in. 
That would have been the curtain that was like 10, 12 stories tall that would have ripped in half that holy of, that, 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 to enter into the Holy of Holies when Christ died on the cross. Um, okay, so what? <laughs> right, so okay, that was the temple. Great. What did it mean? What was the point of it? All right. Uh, let's, I'm going to give you four points of what I think uh, really, there's more to it, but that I think represent to Israel the importance of the temple for them. The first one is election. Let's go back to Abram. He's there at the Tower of Babel. He splits off and God says, I'm going to choose you as my people. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to give you and your people very detailed instructions, like how to carve a piece of wood and how you should worship me. Imagine, go back 7,000 years, right? And, and you don't have any food. And you've seen people plant stuff before. So you get some seeds and you throw them on the ground and nothing happens. Right? The next day you throw some seeds in the ground and you notice it rains overnight. And, and, and all of a sudden your plants start to grow. So you get all your buddies together and you're like, oh man, I planted these seeds and it started to rain. I, you know what I, th- I think we should worship. I think we should worship the rain because that's what gives us food. And they're like, hey, Steve, what do you think? And he's in the background like this. He's got to pee. Right? And they're like, oh. And all of a sudden it starts to rain. And they're like, oh, let's all do it. And they all start doing this, and it starts to rain, right? And they're like, that's what we got. We got to dance to bring the rain. Um, they had no idea how to worship their gods. They had to just make stuff up. But all of a sudden, Israel comes in. They're chosen by God. And he says, this is how you're going to worship me. Not by, well, they did dance, but not like that. Um, all right, so that was the first one, election. The second one, though, is unity. And this goes back to why it was so important that the camp was, that, that tabernacle was in the center of the camp. There's millions of people uh, in the wilderness. And you've got, it doesn't matter if you're from the tribe of Dan or from Asher or from Benjamin. You all worship at the same place. That's why it was such an atrocity when Solomon started building temples everywhere. It just showed the idolatry. They're no longer unified as one nation. They all wanted to do their own thing. And that was bad. They were supposed to be unified around that. The third thing is holiness. Holiness is really, really important, obviously, when it comes to that temple, when it comes to the tabernacle. Uh, remember when King Hezekiah destroys it in Babylon, what was the year? Oh, yes! I didn't think anyone was going to say that. All right, 587. Well done, well done. Uh, you guys get a gold star. 587, King Hezekiah destroys that temple, and when he does that, he goes and he sends one of his servants, and he says, hey, go get all the, all the gold uh, bowls and cups and stuff. We're just going to have a drunken party mocking their God. I want to show these Israelites who the real God is, and what's God do? He shows up and he writes on the wall, hey, by the way, just a heads up, you're going to die tonight. Um, and so... <laughs> The holiness of God was just not something to be messed with. Um, and so that was, that was really, there's a lot of stories that we could talk about uh, that, that when people try to mess with the holiness of God, they, they die. Um, the last thing is, is uh, simply just the, uh, the kingdom of God. Um, that that was supposed to be a theocracy. Ben mentioned this. It's supposed to be a theocracy under God. And that was his throne room. That was where he sat to rule not just Israel, but all nations. All right, again, so what? What does that mean to us today? Um, This means everything to us today. Because Paul told us that our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why would Paul use that language? Why would Paul say our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Let's first go back to how that's possible. The temple that Herod built, well, all of them, 
and they had these outer walls. One of them was called the Wall of the Gentiles, meaning if you were a Gentile, you were not allowed to enter into this area surrounding the temple. You could not do it. That's why Paul says Jesus Christ, when he died and was buried and rose again, that he tore down that wall of hostility so that Jews could then enter in, not just enter into the camp, could enter straight into the presence of God because that veil was torn in half. That we could now freely enter into that and because we as Gentiles have been grafted in, there's no longer Jews and Gentiles. We are now one people in God. That's really important. So that when Paul says, your body is the temple, Holy Ghost, what he's saying is, you're the temple. You are God's chosen people. As Peter says, you are God's chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Why would he say that? All right, now let's get out of our egocentric American mindset of Paul saying, uh, your body's the temple, and your body's the temple. You get a temple, and you get... That's not what he's saying, right? That's not what he's doing here, all right? He's saying you, you, Hope Community Church, your body is the temple. What other analogies does Paul give to talk about a body? He says, okay, a body does, is not just one part. It's not just a giant eyeball rolling around in the dirt and the mud. It's gross, right? No, that doesn't work that way. A body works together. And so if I cut off my, that's a little aggressive, if I cut, if I cut my pinky, right, what happens? The rest of my body comes to my pinky's aid. This hand will stop the bleeding. The blood does its thing, you know, the white blood cells. If there's, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Um, and, and the nervous system is saying, like, warning, warning, you're in pain. And your brain does what brains do and helps you do all the rest, right? It's not just up to the pinky to fend for itself. The body helps one another. So you, Hope Community Church, are the body. That's important. Because what does that mean? It means I don't have to mourn by myself. I don't have to rejoice by myself. I don't have to fight sin by myself. We get to do that together. What's the future look like? Well, uh, Jesus has a vision and gives that vision to John, who has the vision, who gives that vision to us in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21. Inception? That was like old school. John did that. Long time ago, right? Um, he gets this vision and he says that God is going to come and be with his people. We will be his people and he will be our God. And there will be no need for a temple. Why will there be no need for a temple? Because God is the temple. And it's going to go all the way back to the garden when we could walk and talk with God and it's going to be the exact same way in the future. And that's what the future holds, where we can see God face to face, not just the afterburners. We get to look at him because there will be no more sin as far as the curse is found. So what does that mean again for us today? Right? Where is the I don't know, application point, whatever you want to call it? Hope Community Church, this, we're a body. We function as one. At least we should be functioning as one. You take those four points that I gave you about Israel and the temple, and we need to apply them to the church today to be unified as one, knowing that we are the elect of God, and that we have been saved from our sin because of what Christ did by tearing down that wall of hostility knowing that Jesus is on his throne, ruling and reigning, and let's recognize him as king and as supreme commander. So let's praise God together. Let's worship together. Let's fight sin together. And for crying out loud, let's walk and march into that kingdom of darkness. And as one unit, stinking kick down those gates of hell, and let's trash the joint, right? Can I get a Shekinah? <laughs> All right. All right, thank you. You guys got 10 minutes now to talk about whatever I just talked about. Um, you've got, hold on. 
you, so read the, you can talk about the question there, um, but also I really, I, I wrote that question before I wrote my speech. So, so what I want you to do though is uh, really examine those four aspects. How do those four things impact us today as a church? And, 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 and dream with me. What is it going to be like in the future when we can see God face to face? All right, thank you.